This is episode number 51 with the founder of Rick Strickland Baseball, Rick Strickland. In this episode, we go over Rick's kind of background in baseball. Um, He is at the forefront of hitting and really considers himself actually to be a swing coach. Um, He has brought in technology, and that has really helped his players get to the next level. And he's someone who I look up to um, in the baseball industry and as a hitting instructor and someone who just is able to take data and all the different, you know, mechanical adjustments and technology and just combine it all together and to help really make a ton of players um, reach their potential. Um, He'll get into that in this episode of of what he specifically does with his players and and the process he takes them through. Um, You guys are really going to love this. If you haven't already, make sure to head on over to iTunes and uh, subscribe and leave a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And without further ado, here's Rick Strickland. Welcome to Patrick Jones Baseball. My name is Patrick Jones, former professional baseball player and host of this podcast. My day job is a podcaster and my night job is a baseball instructor. Please email me at jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com if you're interested in getting hitting lessons from me. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and let's get to work. We now have on Rick Strickland, founder of Rick Strickland Baseball. Rick, thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me on. So I, I'd, like, I'd like to get a little bit into your background in baseball. Um, how did this kind of all come about for you? Because I know you're someone who I know played the game for a while and, and you've been in it uh, for a very long time. So kind of just take me back from the very beginning. Well, I'll take you back to, to actually pro ball. We'll stop there. You know, I college. I played at Austin Peay University in Tennessee, but uh, was a, a lower round draft pick of the Yankees back in 89. And, you know, small guy, uh, was a good runner. Uh, so at that time, you know, the philosophies back in the late 80s was guys who could run, whether small or big, and hit the ball on the ground and use your wheels. Well, you know, over time, you start to look at that and you know, philosophically you say, well, that's not going to work. I'm going to get older, get slower. Heck, these kids that are playing the infield throw a lot harder than guys do did when I was in college. So really worked at it, try to understand why why was it that I wasn't a good hitter um, over and, and things like that. And when I got back out of pro ball, uh, I was asked to coach uh, some recreational teams and you know found out very early on that you know going into it, I wanted to understand why a kid wasn't good and how I could actually make him better. So that kind of started the whole process. A few years later, I started a, a club team called the St. Louis Pirates, um, and we wanted a little bit more out of it. We wanted, you know, kids to be able to, if, if I was going to be responsible for helping the kids get on to the next level, you know, we needed to take an active approach in helping the, with the development of the kids. So from our from my perspective, it was more, um, well, I'm going to say emotional standpoint, that if I'm going to be attached to these kids and, you know, parents are looking for me to help these guys, I need to do everything in my power to help these kids become better. So, uh, with that being said, you start to look at more, you know, start to research and you know, look at what other guys were doing and you know, trying to understand what was going on with that. And then you start to grow from that and you start to look at, you know, other disciplines like other sports and like weightlifting and, and uh, golf and, and, and those types of things. And so that's how we've evolved. We've evolved by to trying to make ourselves better coaches, uh, better better trainers, you know, better mentors to these guys and try to get as much information as we possibly can to help these kids move on. So are, are you still involved with the St. Louis Pirates? Yes, I still run the Pirates. Uh, 
I'm not coaching on the field, but, you know, I kind of help run the training stuff in the off season. And, you know, a lot of my former players actually run the program. Okay. And then let's get into kind of what you teach for when you give like private instruction. Um, What's kind of your hitting philosophy? Well, over time, we stopped saying that, that I don't even call myself a hitting coach. I call myself a swing coach. My number one thing is I'm not in the batter's box with these guys. I don't know what they face in, in the box. I try not to give them too much information on on hitting because hitting, I think, is the activity that goes on in the batter's box when, you, when you're in competition. But instead, what we try to work on, and our, our philosophy is to work on the swing, to get the guy to be able to move as, as good and as efficiently as possible uh, that his body will allow him to do uh, in swing the bat from that perspective, not try to, to compensate or create crazy ideas on, on things like that, but the body is, is designed in one specific way, and that's what we try to teach. We run into situations where guys can't move their bodies, whether the pelvis, they have the, uh, deficiencies in their pelvis or in their arms or in their shoulders and stuff like that, and so no matter what kind of philosophy you have, you cannot teach over those deficiencies in the body. So we try to understand what, what it is that that kid can do, um, try to make sure that we get him to move as, as much as he can, and try to build the swing on top of that. So you, you brought up kind of how the you know, movements in the body. Um, what type of similar movements should elite hitters or swing patterns have, I guess I should say? Well, there's a pattern that the body moves, no matter whether it's baseball or football or golf or anything that's a rotational activity there is an efficient way that the body moves to create energy and power and speed. And that is, it starts with the ground, it moves up through the pelvis, it moves into the torso, it moves out into the arms, and then it moves out into the instrument that you're, that you're trying to throw or, or release. Whether it's a tennis racket, where Senator Williams is throwing a tennis ball up in the air and jumping off the ground and swinging it and hitting it 125 miles an hour, to uh, Tiger Woods putting a golf ball, hitting a golf ball 400 yards. It's the same pattern. You have to move in that pattern, in that order. If there's any deficiencies from those patterns, you're going to have uh, uh, deficiencies in, in how efficient you can strike that ball. The greatest athletes sometimes become the greatest compensators. So the better the athlete, usually the better the compensator. So, yeah, sometimes they don't always move in that, that particular pattern, but they can compensate because they are so so good athletically and they can produce these massive speeds and that they can compensate and do it. A lesser player cannot – create the same kind of compensation so it starts from the ground up like you just said and i've always heard you know soft you know land soft on your front foot so is that obviously not correct because you want to create a ton of force in that front leg well yeah and and force is is an interesting thing because we've been studying that right now and people don't believe this but at contact there's probably very little force in the feet you know, in baseball believe it or not if you pull up a video of freddie freeman you're going to see that both feet are off the ground when he makes contact and I believe that's the case with all the hitters. When you see the front foot actually roll over to people trying to get people to keep their foot on the ground, that's actually a, a bad teach. Uh, it's actually uh, make force the body to not release the, the energy from the ground. It has to. So when you look at the ground, you want to get that energy into the body as soon as you can. So you see guys land, they go into a squat position. And I talk about this in the hitters all the time. I said, so what do we do squats for? What do we do deadlifts for? What do we do kettlebell swings for? If you look at those positions, what do we do box jumps, plyometrics for? You see all these guys go into a squat position and create energy off the ground. Well, that energy is created as soon as we go into that squat position and we start to change directions. So as soon as you start to push in the ground, the ground starts to push back into you. So we actually teach that into the swing, being athletic. 
not being static, not being a robot, the same thing you would work on in any type of athletic uh, skill uh, uh, thing, you want to teach that into the skill of the swing. And you can see those patterns in some of the elite guys. So, okay, so you do want to push hard into the ground. Is there certain drills that you have your hitters do to um, help incorporate that into their swing? Well, the drills are already there. I mean, you, all these guys are doing plyo box jumps and things like that. Uh, those things, you, you, I think from, a, from an instructor standpoint, you look at those exercises and you, you become creative to try to create those same movement patterns into the swing of hitting a baseball. People say, well, the head's moving, things of that, that nature. I was looking at a film, a clip of Andrew Benatendi. You know, why this guy at that height and that size, they would have produced the amount of power. Well, if you go look at a video clip of him, you'll see how low he actually gets into his, when he strides and lands, he gets into this athletic position. And if you could just visualize that that's probably a position that he's done a million times in a swing, but he's also done that when he's squatting. He's also done that when he's doing a, a kettlebell swing. He's done that over and over and over again. And he's created this, um, this explosive pattern. So from an instructor standpoint, a coaching standpoint, those are the things that, that we need to be looking at. Why are we getting these guys to do these exercises? How does it apply towards the actual skill? So if you're an instructor, you essentially not just need to know about the swing, but need to know how the entire body works. Uh, if you want to be really, really good, yes. If you just want to make you know, $40 a half hour, <laughs> because there's enough parents walking in the door, they'll give you $40 uh, to make, their, make Johnny feel good. But if you really want to coach and teach and get these guys better, then, you know, immersing yourself in other type of uh, disciplines that, that would help you understand what the body needs to do would be extremely advantageous. It's interesting that you, uh, you brought up Andrew Benatendi. I actually coach at a uh, former high school right now. And I'll tell you what, the legend, uh, the legend never dies. Some of the balls that he's hits, uh, I, I think they get further and further every year. <laughs> Well, there's something that comes natural to him. But Andrew, I've had an opportunity to test him a little bit. Andrew's pelvis bend activity and how quickly he can snap his pelvis is unbelievable. He's extremely fast with it. So when you think about that, if I'm taking my pelvis and I'm sticking my butt back and I'm pulling it in forward, uh, that's what actually creates launch angle. He can do that extremely, extremely fast. Well, some guys can't do it at all. They can't. They simply can't do. It. I mean, I'm testing guys that are professional minor leaguers right now that don't do a really good job of that. All right, and then, but yet we want to look at Twitter. I was looking at this already, and I won't. I won't go out of any names. But there's a guy on Twitter, and he's worked with a big, powerful guy in the major leagues, and we talk about this all the time in our shop. You know, let's not copy somebody's style because if I'm dealing with a guy who's 280 pounds, all right, and Andrew's 190 pounds, maybe. He can't copy Aaron Judge. He shouldn't copy Aaron Judge, right? Aaron Judge sits in the box. And he's, he's sitting on top of the ground at 280 pounds. So he has 100 pounds of, of, of mass advantage over the younger guy. And if these both guys are putting two times their weight into the ground, uh, Aaron Judge is always going to have a, an advantage over Andrew Benatendi. And the reason why is because he's got 100 pounds over him. So – to try to take a, a high school kid that's 140 pounds, hey, let's look at Aaron Judge's swing, let's go in and let's copy his style, it's really foolish because you're not going to produce the same power and injury. You're not going to have the same success as he has because you don't have the same uh, talent or the resources that Aaron Judge has to put, 
put pressure into the ground. It's interesting you brought up Aaron Judge. Um, I don't know if you saw the if you follow Chad Longworth online, but he actually uh, uh, wrote an article about about Judge and how his front leg essentially isn't. Uh, he basically was saying that his pelvis and uh, his front leg wasn't stabilized enough, and it it basically wouldn't allow him to hit um, outside pitches. I don't know if you've really like looked at Aaron Judge's swing or his um, his front leg when it lands. Like, what are your kind of thoughts on the um, that type of swing? Well, I haven't gotten – I haven't really looked at him that deep. But here's again, the guy almost hit 60 home runs last year. But he's doing that because obviously he can make whatever he's moving go fast enough or good enough or consistent enough. I, I would agree with anybody who would say that he has issues with with uh, maybe control of that, but power's not going to be a, ever be an issue for him. He's always going to have that. So I would imagine that Aaron's pelvis is moving pretty fast. It's pretty stable uh, to be able to do that. He just may have some 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 hand timing, some decision pitch recognition, some, some decision making issues that that actually uh, affects him. Now, the other thing I'll say about this: if you take a kid like that. I mean, how much change do are you actually going to, to try to make with that guy? Because if you try to change him too much, you may actually make him worse. You know, so you know, are you going to be resigned to the fact that he may be a 250 hitter and hit you 40 home runs a year? Is that worth paying him the amount of money that he'll end up making as a game? That's the decision that the organization is going to have to make. So at some point when you get to a certain percentage, you can continue to make your, yourself better, but making wholesale changes to what you actually do May not may not always be in the best interest of the hitter too. That's a great point. I've definitely seen that with some uh, some players around this area for sure. How did you learn so much about the swing? <laughs> I just if you come in our shop, we got a whole bunch of stuff. I talk to everybody, some of the best trainers in the world in other sports. I talk to you all the time, so I get different perspective. I took a trip out to the science sports science lab out in California in November and talks to Gavin McMillan, who's brilliant, trains all kind of athletes, football, baseball, soccer, uh, the stuff that he does, and just just talk to them about what they do with the body and and, and how you know, understanding what the body's doing and, and, and things like that has helped shape my opinion. I started off a long time ago looking at Epstein's hitting, and then I moved on to everybody else. I bought everybody's training program on the planet just to kind of see what they're doing. Now you get to the point now where you can't go buy things that, that, that aren't really rooted in good sound biomechanics because you're actually spending your wheels and, and the, the development of those kids is going to take longer when you're just focusing on the bat. We still do it now. Even pro ball in my affiliation with pro ball right now, we, we have guys who really want to go to the bat. We, we understand at the end of the day that hitting a ball is what's the most important thing, you know, about hitting, but, to get to that point, you have to start before that. It starts before you get to, to the bat. Let me uh, let me take you back to when you were kind of talking about you know testing athletes out. Um, what kind of what do you use when you test athletes out? Are there certain kind of uh, technology that you have that you do that with, or how do you do that? Basically, when an athlete comes in our place, we do a TPI screen on them, which is a, a golf screen, which is you know, TPI is. Do, is We'll be releasing here very soon their baseball version of that. Basically, it's just like an FMS exam. It's just you come in, you kind of see, you know, take them through some 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 walks and some uh, see if they can move their pelvis, see how well they can move their their, their rotate without moving the chest, what kind of arm stuff like that. So we take them to about sixteen screens that we take them through. 
And then we put them from a swing perspective, we put K-Vest on, which is a sensor 3D motion analysis. And maybe in a blast sensor on the bat, use hit tracks, uh, hit uh, launch monitor. So we take all that, we get a good foundation as to how the body's moving from TPI, how the swing is actually working from blast and uh, K-Vest. And then at the end of the day, you know, what the results are on, on the ball. So I think at the, the, for most of us, when a kid comes in and trains with us, at the end of the day, he wants to walk out or hit the ball harder and further. So we do track all those things like that. So that's what an assessment would be for. It's about an hour, hour and a half that we put them through. There's another version of it that we do that, that actually includes an athletic combine, kind of like a perfect game type of thing that we do inside of that, uh, just to kind of see what kind of power and force the kids actually can produce. Speaking of power and force, uh, you see a lot of kids. Um, I know you're on Twitter. You see a lot of people, you know, doing the whole uh, a lot of leg kicks these days, especially after Donaldson and getting really big. Um, what are your thoughts on on all on almost every kid wanting to do a leg kick now? Well, that's that to me. That's a style, right? And the only way you can really find out if it's working for them is you got to have some place to measure. Well, nobody really has anything to measure. The only thing we measure in baseball is is, is production. Uh, and then you get a few more home runs than you get last year. That, that could be good enough. But for us, we would have to see, okay, uh, is he putting any more pressure on the ground by leg kick? Is he putting any more pressure on the ground by just a normal stride? It's just really up to the athlete. It, it really is. So it, I, you bring it up, I look at all the kids out there copying Donaldson, and they look exactly like him, but they can't hit. All right, they can't hit, all right? They're not going anywhere with it. So, you know, so from my, my perspective, you know, you've done all that and it hasn't, it hasn't worked for you. It hasn't worked for you. I mean, it'll keep you at, at the amateur level, but as you start to go up levels, you know, you haven't addressed the deficiencies in the body, which, which the leg kick doesn't solve. You're in the St. Louis area. Obviously, if anyone out there is listening in the St. Louis area, obviously you need to go where Rick is because he pretty much – has all the technology and everything like that. If you're in a different part of the country where you don't have access to kind of to get tested, to use all these things, what should like high school kids be working on? Should they be doing, you know, just T work or, or focusing on just kind of full body movement or what should they be doing? Well, you know, five years ago, I would say there was probably in, in the uh, country, there were probably a couple handful of guys out there like myself that's doing this. But what you're starting to see is all these, these coaches across the country are starting to, to, to get smarter. Now, TPI, I think, is the most important thing that is, I think is going to come to, to baseball coaching and instruction in the times that I've been doing it is that they're actually going to have some type of centralized place where most of us coaches are going to get information, to get certified so that we're all on the same page and that we're talking to our strength coaches uh, and everything is provided for. There's some of these guys that are online uh, that have information that can help you through. We'll have that too as well uh, in the next day or so uh, where guys can go out and look at videos and we kind of take that process that we take guys in, inside through that process. We're not just doing it for the athlete, we're doing it for other coaches as well. So the other coaches can actually go out there and look at our process and and and, uh, and use that to help their athlete. So the athlete can do it on his own. If he sits down in the middle of Wyoming doesn't have access to a hitting coach or if, the, if, the, if he's going to an instructor uh, in Cincinnati uh, and they, they feel like some of the stuff that we're doing is going to help them in their, in their practice and their training, uh, we're going to make that stuff available for them as well. 
What is TPI? You brought that up a couple of times. For those who don't know, kind of, can you explain what that is? Catalyst Performance Institute. Pretty much, they are the go-to guys on research and training and development on the golf side. So all those guys are are you know Greg Rose and those guys at TPI are amazing. I think they have like twenty thousand golf instructors, and now they're putting their fingers in the baseball and soccer. So you're going to see TPI certifications. And what they've done with golf instructors is, you know, they've created this whole network of golf instructors that are all being certified from from a variety of different places on the golf side to help support their business, to make sure that we're all talking and trying to do this. Golf is unique because golf has got a lot of older people there. So the way that was started is because business guys are going out there swinging a golf club and breaking their backs. And that wasn't good for the game. If those guys can't play, they can't spend money. So they, they come up with a way to try to keep these guys on the golf course playing. Uh, and I'm looking at this stuff several years ago. I'm like, man, I don't know why we don't do this in baseball. Baseball needs this stuff too. Uh, and so they're in baseball. They're going to be in baseball knee deep uh, with it. It's going to be great uh, for that. The players don't necessarily need to be concerned with that, but the coaches will at some point over the next two to three years will have to be certified if they want to have any type of, of, legitimacy in this business because I, I would imagine that this is going to get uh, it's going to have appeal to major league teams. I've already known several major league teams have already gotten their staff already TPI certified just on the golf side. So it's, it's coming and it's going to be really good for the game. All right. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to look into that too. I'm, I'm an instructor in this area and obviously follow you and kind of what you do and, and, and definitely going to take that into account. What's your uh, philosophy on kind of, the overload, underload, like bat speed training. I used to do that years ago, and I had great success with it. I don't do it a whole lot now. Not that I, I'm against it or don't do it, but I, I know a chart, and those guys do it out there. Uh, I think it's it's we've gotten results doing it, and we've gotten results not doing it. So then you start to look at the common denominator, what helps. Um, i give you an example. When I first started, I had five athletes in this one group. Uh, six athletes all six of those athletes were freshmen all american in college i didn't know what i was doing i was grabbing these old pro, uh, pro cut bats we were swinging them up to 64 ounces hitting 11 ounce balls and uh i i think one of the, the curious things is one of the kids who was a junior at that time was throwing 80 miles an hour he'd come out in the spring he was throwing 90 miles an hour and then we didn't have a pitching program it wasn't a running gun and throw the ball against the net we were just hitting balls and i think swinging those heavy bats uh hitting those weighted balls uh, you know, to be able to drive them. And then we were using a, a velocity machine that I got from old Perry husbands out at, uh, uh, hitting as a guest years ago. And it was phenomenal. The power that those kids created, um, and the velocity gains that they had had from just swinging weighted bats and, and hitting, hitting weighted, weighted balls. So I, 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 my personal experience with them, the time that I use them, we've had really, really good, good experience with them. It's just, you know, when you're an ADHD guy like me, you're all over the place sometimes. So time sticking to a system or process like that because you're constantly learning. You want to try these new things out on people like that. We just hadn't slowed down to stay with it over, over 16, 17 years of training. No, I understand. In your opinion, what's the most important metric that's recorded? Exit speed. <laughs> exit speed is number one. Not launch angle, exit speed. How hard do you hit it? Right. And if you're constantly hitting at 90 miles an hour and you're hitting it with a low launch angle, then that's the work on. Let's find out why you're hitting it alone. But the guys who are the most talented hit the ball the hardest more frequently than other guys. That's just it. And if you look at the big league levels right now, 
They go to exit speed first, and then they go to launch angle. But why? So why doesn't like the like John Carl Stanton? He has the highest exit speed. You know, Aaron Judge. Why aren't those guys? You know, basically thought about as the best hitters in the game. Well, they don't make enough contact, right? When they hit it, they hit it hard to everybody else, right? If their strikeout, if their swing and miss rates weren't as big, it, it, listen, if Jen Carlos Spencer was the best in the league at putting balls in play, he would be ridiculous. He'd hit, nine, he'd hit a thousand home runs. He just would. He just, every ball he would hit would go out. <laughs> so the pitchers are constantly trying to pitch him to spots where you know, in his swing that he cannot hit and try to get him to out. See, the pitcher's job is to make the make sure the guy doesn't hit it hard. So he's looking at data and stats and looking at areas that he doesn't particularly hit a ball hard, and he's trying to throw the ball to that area. So the guy can't get good luck because if Jim Carlo Stanton hits the ball 117 miles an hour at 15 launch angle, it's a home run, and he can do that, <laughs> right? Where another guy can hit that, take that same pitch and hit it about 95 miles an hour. It may not get out. So those guys, your biggest deal for them is to not even get them to hit the ball on the ground. It's to get them not to hit the ball, period. Because they hit it, you know, it's gonna, it, it can go out. So, you know, they, the other guys are, are probably more in control of their bodies and doing some things like that. They'll probably just have better swings. What's your uh, theory on kind of rap soda? I know you have rap soda. I've seen you do some stuff with that. Is that the best kind of gauge right now for uh, metrics in baseball that you could buy? Well, I have hit rap soda and I have hit tracks. I have both. You know, I'm an old hit tracks guy. I probably hit the sixth unit they've ever sold. So from I have both units. So it's kind of hard, you know, from a kid's perspective, from an academy perspective, uh, the hit tracks is got more entertainment value for you. From a data standpoint, because Rapsodo does give you spin and spin direction, you get to tell a lot about what's happening with that swing uh, because of the spin. So, you know, you can almost look at a Rapsodo and tell if a guy is going to be a hooker just by how the ball actually spins off his bat. You can't necessarily get that off of hit tracks because it doesn't give you spin yet. It's coming, but they don't, they don't do it yet. The other thing about Rapsodo is iOS device. Um, it is extremely mobile, uh, from that perspective. And most importantly to most Academy owners, it's, it's relative to what it would cost to get hit tracks. It's, you know, uh, I would say one fourth of the cost. So what about a uh, blast motion? Those sensors blast motion has a sensor out. I think it's pretty cool. I've seen you use them before on some players. What do you think about blast motion? Well, my story with blast and I just got off the phone with them this morning uh, about blast. You know, you've seen the article that came out that, you know, now those sensors are approved to be used all over my league ball, not just in rookie ball. Now my biggest thing with blast is, is understanding the metrics. But one of the things I think that people have kind of fall, fall into product, uh, they start teaching the swing to the metrics. They're not really fo- focused on what the body is actually doing that causes you to have the metrics that you get. So what I've been doing over the last couple of years is using, you know, KVS and BLAST in conjunction to understand what areas in your training program you should be focusing on that's going to give uh, the best value to the kid if I'm training him long-term and he can't afford a, a $5,000 KVS system, but he can afford $150 BLAST thing. So um, you still have to understand the, 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 the dynamics of what the body's actually doing behind the scenes that gets you the results in BLAST. But BLAST is once you understand that, it's a lovely piece to be able to, to, to train to 
because of the cost and the fact that, you know, it's pretty much an automated system. Yeah, that's why that's why I like it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't cost a ton. Um, you're speaking of kind of not kind of design your swing to the metrics in blast. So essentially what you're saying to those people out there who are listening is that uh, you don't want to basically say, you know, I, I have a negative degree launch angle, so I should start my hands, you know, down here to try and make it, you know, a positive. Is that what you're kind of saying? That's right. Don't swing. Don't swing to the sky with your torso because that's not really what's causing launch angle. The ability to, to get off the ground is what's really causing launch angle or the attack angle in blast. That's that's what it was. I mean, if you, you can try this at home. If you go down and you put you put a ball on the tee and you put your feet together and you go down to a squat position, and as soon as you get to that squat position, you come off the ground and hit this ball, you're going to have a really good attack angle. You're not really swinging up at it, right? You're actually pushing off the ground and pushing your body up, and because of that, you're going to get this good attack angle. That's what causes it is the, the, the vertical lift off the ground. If you go back and look at Joey Votto, Dustin Lynn's account on Twitter, go look at Votto, pull up some clips of his, and focus on his belt buckle. His belt buckle right before he hits this ball really snaps to the sky. And, and if you really focus on the pelvis area, you'll see that that pelvis actually snaps to the sky extremely fast. All right, extremely fast. That's what's causing the launch angle. Guys think that they have to lay the bat down flat. You'll watch Joey Votto, his bat, when he puts both feet on the ground, is at a vertical angle. It's not laid out flat. He's not dumping the barrel behind him. That's what's causing it. And when you do that with the blast sensor, you get good readings. You rotate better. You cannot rotate well unless you get off the ground. Wow, that's that's good stuff. I'm definitely going to take that into account. Um what are your future plans in baseball? Do you have any, do you like one day want to become an MLB hitting coach or what's your, what's your goals? Well, I can tell you this. I don't want to be a minor league hitting coach. I can tell you that. When <laughs> I, I, I left minor league ball, I said, bus rides for me are like over. If it, if it comes to a point at some point in time, and I can't say it's necessarily a goal. Um, I don't, but we want, what we really want to do is we want to build a platform where we, um, we can help coaches, you know, understand all the stuff that's going on in technology wise now in a more rapid fashion, teach hitters quickly, develop our platforms. Guys can come out and see us uh, online and look at the stuff that we got on it and learn from it really fast. I mean, there's guys out there getting the baseball, don't know what war and all that other kind of stuff is and spend rates on fastballs and spend, spend on, on, on stuff like that. Uh, we're, we're just kind of immersed in that stuff like that. And we just want to share it with the, uh, the, the up and coming baseball coaches and players out there and, and, and have our place be a, the, a place to go. Similar to what driveline does and in, in, on the pitching side, uh, that's what we want to do. You know, maybe not to the extent because we're not researchers like those guys are, uh, you know, we're business people, you know, trying to teach guys how to get better. So that's, that's really what, what we, uh, what we aspire to do as we move forward. If someone wants to work with you, where should they go to? Is it rickstricklandbaseball.com slash swing rehab training or train, train with rsb.com? Train with rsb.com. That's our site. Uh, swing, re- swing rehab program is our hitting program. Uh, we have our online uh, portal going up, up probably within the next 10 days. So guys will be able to reach out to us at that. But our online portal is not just for, for players. It's for coaches as well. So coaches out there, that's the best way to kind of reach out to us and you know, send us video and stuff like that on guys and maybe we can help share with drills that we're doing with players that, that can help the players become better. 
Awesome stuff, Rick. Really appreciate you uh, you stopping by today. Obviously, you know a ton about the swing, and if you're in the St. Louis area, you you guys better better go see uh, Rick Strickland because he definitely knows what he's doing. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Think enough of us to have us on the show. Um, anytime, anytime uh, I get to open my mouth and up and talk about developing an athlete, not just a hitter. You know, I'm, I'm always almost willing to do that. Appreciate it.